Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. You know, as a chef, I'm picky about what ingredients I use and need to know that I'm getting quality and consistency, which is why I love Bob's Red Mill. Uh, Anyone in the food scene knows about Bob's Red Mill already. And if you don't know, now is your chance to check it out. Bob's Red Mill is offering our listeners here at Starving for Attention 25% off with promo code BLAZE. If you head to bobsredmill.com, 25% off. It's a pretty big savings. Just use the promo code BLAZE, B-L-A-I-S. The company's been making high-quality, gluten-free, and stone-ground products for decades, minimally processed. Oh, I have trouble saying that. Minimally processed in a stone mill in Oregon. The motto is mill to table, which is true and also pretty clever. With Bob's Red Mill, you're not just getting quality, you're getting flavor-packed, healthy food that actually tastes amazing. The company offers a huge range of products that cater to specific dietary restrictions like gluten-free, paleo, and vegan. As a parent, uh, Jasmine and I trust Bob's Red Mill to always offer the best products for healthy cooking without having to scrutinize labels or worry about what our kids are eating, and they eat plenty of Bob's Red Mill products. With their wide range of products, uh, they cater to uh, from scratch from scratch bakers. With their wide range of products, they cater to the from scratch baker or chef looking for quality whole grains and flours. To the person looking for a clean and tasty cookie or brownie mix, Jasmine, ready to whip up. Head to Bob'sRedMill.com to get twenty five percent off with promo code Blaze. That's Bob'sRedMill.com and punch in the code Blaze. B L A I S. I love Bob's Red Mill. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, welcome to Starving for Attention. I'm Richard Blaze here with Jasmine Blaze. Hello. We share last names. We do. Because we're married. Uh, that's right. That's right. I mean, just to reveal that. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you now 26, spoiler 27 alert. episodes in. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We are uh, co-hosts of the pod and we're married. Co-hosts uh, in life. Yeah, we yeah. are. Co-everything in yeah. life. Partners. Um, for the good or bad. Yeah. Uh, right now it's going to be good. Yeah. Today's episode of the pod is Sam Mason. Uh, part of the dynamic duo that was WD50. He is a pastry chef, but also, I think, really like one of the coolest mother chuckers around. He might have been like the first hipster. Do you think? I, he would. He gets a, he gets kind of upset when you say that. Does he? Because when you're really that cool, yeah, you're not. A you don't want anymore. people to right. right. Like he. Like I saw the other day, I was driving and someone had a license plate that said H I P S T R. And I was like, if you're really a hipster, you probably don't have a license plate that says that. Right. Yeah. Unless you're like, I mean, maybe if you're a doctor that puts in hip trip, hip, hip transplants. Replacements. I replacements. think they're called replacements. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Transplant would be. I still uh, don't. I think you just go by hip doctor then. H-I-P. That's true. Yeah. So if you put hipster on your license plate, unless it's a license plate 
on a unicycle. No, no, unless it's uh, one of those old European license plates, the real long ones, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's totally And acceptable. it's just got the EU yeah, exactly. uh, flag on it. Exactly. Uh, but Sam Mason, he is got many projects burning right now in the fire. Uh, he's one is the uh, Artisan Mayo. I, he's got. I think he does. I think so. I think he's yeah. he's got something to do. Or he, he definitely was one that. of the yeah. uh, you know founders of. Uh, I think it was Empire Mayo, right? Yeah. Right. And now he's running Odd Fellows Ice Cream Shop oh, yeah. with all sorts of plans for uh, expansion and a new factory. I don't Everybody want to spoil too much cream. of the podcast. Uh, heads up on this one, guys. Besides the fact that Sam's amazing, we recorded this episode in his ice cream shop at Odd Fellows in Williamsburg. It's, in the dining room. Yeah, I mean, if you know anything about ice cream shops, they're all tile and metal and glass, like a lot of things echo off of. And not only that, just, I mean, I don't even think this comes up. He kind of built the ice cream shop. So all that metal and glass and the, the stuff that makes it tough for audio, Sam built with his own hands. Of course he did. So like, if you're listening to this audio and you're like, it's off, or like our producer Heather was like, ah, oh, the audio is not so great. Just think that it's clanking off of like a, a, a stained... Uh, window pane that Sam Mason put in with his own hands. He's got the last uh, name for it. He's got, well, well he does, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but he's just got an amazing story. Again, one of the most creative chefs uh, in the land uh, doing some big things right now uh, and making some amazing ice cream flavors. Uh, here comes the episode with Sam Mason. Yeah, that's good to see you. How are you? I have to, so uh, we're getting right into it. I have to say, so you, you, just came to the back kitchen, and we were having a conversation about how tight your jeans might be today. Who <laughs> was having this conversation? Okay, well, Meredith and Leah sort of maybe started the conversation, but I had it queued up as also a question. Generally, under like sort of the umbrella anymore. of just like you're you're like the ultimate hipster, but you don't also you don't try. No, you like. I need an adult present. <laughs> but, but I think that's a good place to start, though. So, Sam Mason, how, how, what size jeans do you wear? I wear 32, 34. Oh, my gosh. I don't believe that you wear 30. I'm in a 31 right now. Really? But it makes sense because I can't fit my hotel room key in my back pocket. Um, Wait, what, what? Yeah, I mean, 32 seems about right, right? Yeah. Listen, I said a boy's 26 before <laughs> you sat down, and they had said possibly a woman's double O, which I don't even know what that is. Um, so but it's really right it's now. complimentary. Is what I, don't, it is. I don't know where the insults are starting. And <laughs> this, this, this is all complimentary. <laughs> this is like you're just kind of like uh, you know you're a good looking man. Let's be honest. I appreciate that. You're, you're very kind. And uh, I'm you, you would never call yourself a hipster, but I feel like maybe even you were like the prototype that everyone else used. I mean, I I moved to Brooklyn in, in uh, I guess '94, no '96. So, yeah, so I guess I'd be most of them here. That's what I mean. Like I don't were, want it to be the prototype. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of a few. Yeah, perhaps. I saw it all. I mean, yeah, I saw a little too much. Nice. And uh, so you're, you've made, uh, you've, have you lived in Brooklyn the whole time you've been in New York? Uh, you know, I lived, in, uh, I lived in Jersey City and Hoboken at one point, but for very short stints. Oh, you know, I lived on the Upper West Side, too. That was awful. Right. Oh, <laughs> man. Those people are crazy. There's yep. a, a lot of little dogs. A lot of little dogs, and you know, you lived. So I lived on, I guess, uh, Broadway in 60, 68. I, I don't even remember. And you, you know, you get up there, and you're like, "This is so awesome." I'm three blocks away from Central Park. You know, the most glorious thing in the world. Yeah. I'll go there every day. I'm gonna eat my lunch there. I'm gonna sit on the pond. I'm gonna look, watch birds. I went there once. 
I went there one damn time in like the six months I lived there. It I was the it. summertime. Right. Now, it but so it wasn't sad. because you didn't want to. It's because it just kind of becomes the background for you. It just, well, we also work in kitchens. Exactly. <laughs> so this is happening right now. So I live in uh, Southern California, a little north of San Diego. And like, I, you know, I can see the Pacific Ocean from my house. But I don't go down to the beach <laughs> nearly enough. See, that's even more upsetting to me than, than my story. <laughs> but I hear that from a lot of people that live in LA. They're like, yeah, I can get there in no time. And you all have cars, so you drive things. Right. Um, and they never go there. It's insane to me. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's embarrassing. Oh, it's you should get, yeah, and you're paying for it, whether it's Central Park or the I ocean, bet if you, you bought a diary, you would go there. Just to write, just to write in your diary. <laughs> that's true. I should, well, okay, well, listen. Now, do you keep a diary? No. No, no not, in these, not in these chiefs. Right? <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to walk around with it. <laughs> but, I mean, do you have some sort of, like, professional journal? Or how do you, especially yeah. since you're an ultra-creative, right? I mean, to be clear, you're one of the most creative chefs in, in the, I, on the planet. You know, I used to. I remember being, when I worked for John Lee, this is Vegas. This is a long time ago. This is, uh, this is 01. <laughs> or maybe 99 to 01. But I used to I used to remember I always having something and a pen and a pad with me at all points in time because inspiration comes from, as you know, many places and you don't know when it's going to hit hit you. I would even I always had a piece of paper and a, a pen next to the bed because I would wake up with these ideas in the middle of the night and just roll over and write them down and then go back to sleep. I haven't done that in decades. Right. Like it's just for some reason I just I don't think like that anymore, which is kind of sad. Is it that you don't think that way, or is it because we're such, uh, like, in a digital age that, like, you probably be. tap out notes on your phone? Could now. be, but I, yeah, but I think at the same time, I, I forget so many good ideas just because I don't feel engaged to write them down. Like, I don't... You know start. what we should do? We should take your, what was kind of a joke, that I should have a diary, but you and I should keep, like, a journal, and then do another podcast episode six months down the road. 12 months down the road. <laughs> with, with excerpts and from our And read some journal. excerpts from our diary. Dear <laughs> what, journal, I what went to you, the beach today. What would you do? What, what is it, how does a journal work? Do you, do you write in it once a day, or do you write in it any time something strikes you? Whenever you feel like it. Huh? Narrative says, like, you should, whenever you whenever feel like it. Whenever the urge. But I think it should kind of be a daily thing. Like, I have been listening to a lot of, like, founders, and, and I've been really obsessed with startups lately, mm -hmm. and a lot of these sort of tech founders are really big into sort of trying to document I mean, as, every day. As silly as it sounds, it would be beneficial to anybody to, to somehow record certain thoughts. I mean, I guess, to me, I guess it makes sense if you get home every night and do an entry. Right. right? You know, kind of maybe summarize a day. Not, I like what, what are you we said, even though, talking about right even, now? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> even if it wasn't a summary, though, I mean, you had mentioned just in the, in the context of coming up with ideas. Right. Sometimes you just, like, see something, you smell something, you're at a stadium, you're walking through the park, right. whatever, you see something happening on the streets in Brooklyn, and that turns an idea. Well, I mean, this is kind of, this is on, on topic, strangely, I just thought about it. I went, to, I took my fiancé, well, she wasn't my fiancé then, but we went to Barcelona, <coughs> and I proposed in Barcelona, whatever. That's a, that's a side story. When we first got there, we bought this, <laughs> this journal. And we were in the airport in Portugal. It wasn't even, we weren't even in Spain yet. And we just started writing entries. <laughs> there might be two in that whole book. <laughs> because to say at the same time, right. it's just out of sight, out of mind. It's not with you all the time. It wasn't even a big thing. It was small. And women have purses. So I don't know why we didn't have it with us at all points in time. But it started off like, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be awesome. We're going we're gonna, you know, to re record our... Our, um, our vacation, <laughs> there was nothing. Well, because then you had too much fun. And you got, so you got engaged in Barcelona. Yes. I see how I used the Barcelona, correct Catalan yeah. accent right yeah, there. Yeah. Well, we share that because I had a, my honeymoon in 
McCarthy Lounge. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, so our first meal as a married couple was at El Bulli. Oh, that is out of sheer luck, though. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bragging, I guess. Yeah, but like, out of luck, like, I really, like, not, there's no way that you know, Ron knew who I was. Like, I just, it was random. Like, we won the lottery. That's I just happened so to get amazing. it at that time. Uh, it was our first meal as a married. I, like, I, I, we haven't had too many like long tasting. That's great. I don't remember my first meal. And then, um, and you know when our oh, so, oh, I, I meant as an engagement when you got married. No, but so your first, your yeah, your yes. first, your uh, well, what was your well, you're engaged now. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. So anything. you will when you when you get married, you will yeah. you will know what that first meal is. Yeah. So actually, well, now you know what I'm just charting my whole. I think we might have had Jordi Roca's ice cream. There, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That works. Yeah. Um, but I can actually chart my whole relationship through Sam Mason sort of stories. Then so it's like you like we have this thing now about Barcelona. And one of the, the first, because <laughs> she loves my Catalan accent, um, the first time I took my wife out to like a serious date at a New York City restaurant was at W50. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Wow, you, got, you do good things. With, you do big dates. And it was way too expensive. <laughs> and like we've told the story on the podcast, I, and she brought a friend, unbeknownst to me, and then, it, you know, uh, 500 You got a three top? A three top. That's as I'm trying to court my wife. You know what they call right? that? Oh, that's always a four top. <laughs> And then I'm downstairs, and it was like all I had was cash. And I'm like, I literally thought I was gonna have to go back and ask you and Wiley if I could wash some dishes because like, I barely <laughs> had enough money to like tip the server. But that's how uh, the relation. I had to take her to the best of the best, wow, um, great. which included a, a number of desserts uh, from you. And I was there. You were there. I mean, you know, again, it was, it was before this was a good I really time. knew this you. Was a good so time was, ago. I was just like a, a probably just like a, a chubby image in the dining room, and you could probably see me. Like, it's like 2005, four. Probably, yeah. It was in the first year. Yeah. yeah. So wow. we, that was That's three. 2003. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's insane. So we had Wiley so, on the. I still wore 32, 34s. <laughs> still. <laughs> that's well. Th- that's the impressive well, part I've, about it. I've weighed 175 pounds my entire life. Because everyone else just gets really fat. Oh, I didn't say just, that. I, I put it in different places. Sometimes it's here. <laughs> you can't tell. You can't tell. Um, how was speaking of WD50? So, like, obviously, one of the best restaurants again on the planet in the world. Um, the transition from like WD50 to Oddfellows, which is just as creative but uses the, the sort of medium of ice cream solely, pretty much, right? Yeah. How was that? Well, I, how was that transition? I was. We were. I was talking to Wiley the other day, and I was making a joke. And well, he had said something to the to the effect of how nerve-wracking it was having a, a donut shop. And I said, well, let me tell you, an ice cream shop's no different. Because you work in these establishments, you work in these restaurants, and we've worked in a ton of them. And there's just so many moving parts, and there's so many different things. And, you know, the dynamics are, are crazy, because you, you, know, the, the, you got produce, you got different walk-ins, you got all this food. So you think to yourself, I'm gonna open up an ice cream shop, I'm serving one thing, how hard can it be? And then a year and a half later, you're like, that's the same bunch of moving parts that, right. that still blow your mind. And it's, it's the same, like I said, whether it's a donut shop, an ice cream shop, or a you know, four-star restaurant. It's all the same nightmares. Do you have to be more focused on, I mean, you're, 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 you execute at an extreme level, but do you have to be more focused on precision because it's only, you know, one, uh, one item with, with, I mean, you have so many flavors here, so you can't really say that it's only one ingredient. I mean, the, the only the, the only difference is you can kind of get mundane. You know, okay. I'm, like, I, like I'm saying, making donuts every day and making ice cream every day probably get a little a little boring. 
I mean, you, you have to really work really hard to keep it interesting. Whereas at least in a restaurant, you got so much, you know, flexibility. You can really create excitement with a with a with a you know ten course tasting menu. Which right. We kind so, of we kind of lose that. In, in so these. how much of the uh, of the work when like like Wiley was talking about the pH level of like some of the glazes that he's using for donuts. Um, is Ooh, exciting. Totally not exciting. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was one of those things like well, I don't even the average person. I'm the average person. I would not. I'm not even thinking about pH levels when it comes to the glaze of a donut. And like I understand, you know, why he was thinking of it. Right. How it adheres and all these different textures that he's got with all these different glazes. But so in the ice cream world, is that? Is the, I mean, are you getting into that level of like well, science? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we have we have a lot of uh, you know variables that that are that specific, but. Our biggest thing is like we serve a frozen product. You know, everything we have is obviously frozen. Right. So our biggest headache it tends to be in the hot months keeping keeping freezers, keeping you know because once you're busy, hopefully, hopefully you're very busy, you, you realize that your freezers are open all the time, and it's just it's hard to kind of get some of these compressors and stuff to uh, to, to you know to compensate for for the heat and for the humidity. So that tends to be one of our biggest headaches. I mean we've learned a lot various uh, locations we've been at so I think every step forward we're, we're getting better um, but yeah I mean if I, I I feel like I need to go back to DeVry or something and learn how to work on on some sort of HVAC situation nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. because so of the differences in, like just, in, just in how much money we spend on having people come in and I don't think more, yeah, most people are not thinking of that. You know? Yeah, I mean, I just see what you know, costs. Well, man, it's how it can, uh, I, I could probably learn how to do it for nineteen ninety five. Wow. So, like, you know, that's interesting. Like, you'll go back and you would learn how to do HVAC. Yeah, I would learn how to work um, on my air conditioners. Now, and my you, you're pretty hands on. I mean, obviously, you're hands on chef, but you're a pretty hands on dude. Like, you're. Uh, are you, you? You strike me more as an artist, but you're also an incredible craftsman. Like you. You built things in this location that we're sitting in right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, we. I'm good with a toolbox. Right. Yeah, we we fix we fix a lot of more things than we call to get fixed. Uh, even though sometimes they're just band aids, but we extend the life of things <laughs> as best as we can. So, how would you describe yourself? Are, are you more of a craftsman or an artist? Uh, that's probably that's probably changed from from artist to craftsman in my later years. Okay. All right. And I probably started off more of, of an art, artist mentality. Yeah, I think I've moved over to craftsman, Meaning which is that, fine. I don't so, know. I could move back any day now. I like you can do both. Well, I the good thing about the, the new place that we're building is um, it's going to have, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be cooking a little more food as well. So we'll have more of a, a, a savory thing. Um, and we'll have, a, 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 I don't know if you know about it, but we have, it's large. It's a monster. This is the is this the factory. This is the factory. Is that can I call it the factory? Yeah, you can call it the factory. And in in all rights, is the factory. Right. And what's the factory going to be? Well, it's just it gives me a little more wiggle room with with creativity because you know there are going to be some small some small places. There's a soda fountain involved where I can uh, you know we can have a even though the the fair is going to be corn dogs and sliders. things of that nature but there's a lot of so wait there's going to be a fair in the factory no, no, no. okay no, the no, food. that would be the okay. food the, the, the fair as a food <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool if there was a fair yeah, well, inside I mean, the factory. you'd be we, surprised because this will be also it's not going to be just a factory that makes odd fellows products it's going to be an experience yes well i mean obviously 
the factory itself is an experience. But that being said, the the adult soda fountain is something I've always wanted to wanted to you know make come to fruition, and this is this is the first step in in that. When you say adult, I mean adult photo soda soda fountain. Is this because I mean it's very spirit friendly. There's got it. Okay, so there's spirit. alcohol involved. Yeah. Not, not there's also obviously there's also a scoop shop as well. So there's segregated scoop shop and an adult soda fountain. So I think it's not very it's not child friendly at all in the back, but the front is going to be what you're sitting in right now. So I'm, so there'll be there'll be cocktails. There'll be cocktails. Something that you're also incredibly gifted with. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I drink them a lot, but it'll be fun to formulate them. But I, I remember even at Taylor, you had some amazing cocktails. Oh, yeah, yeah, we had, oh, it was great. I, I also was privileged enough to have some of the best bartenders ever as well. Devin Freeman and Alex Day. I'm sure, it, sure. It, there was, they were, they were you can take all the credit, though. I mean, those guys are cool. Yeah, you never mind. It, skip that. <laughs> Edit. Um, this is an interesting thing. I've always had a theory, and this works, because you, you play in the, uh, the alcohol world, right? You have some mixology, and also, obviously, in the pastry world sugar. I think people are more receptive to creativity when there's alcohol or sugar. <laughs> I, I, for some I, reason, I, I do. I, I know when I'm utilizing those two things, I get more creative. Right. So, I mean, I, I, do you see that in the, with, with your, you know, you have some bizarre ice cream flavors that are all delicious. They all work. They're sound. They're fundamental. Um, but because it's ice cream, people are more apt, I think, to take a risk with a, with a flavor that might not seem normal to them. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I mean, feel like it's the same with cocktail. Like as long as there's alcohol in it, sure, I'll try your. your yeah, I mean, you have to you have to develop some sort of uh, some sort of reputation for these for certain people to take that leap of faith. You know, whether it be strange ice cream like manchego, pineapple, or stuff like that. Right. I don't I don't think you can just be anybody and get people to spend good hard money on something that's that outlandish, uh, unless you have developed that reputation. Well, you have that reputation. Yeah, but it, you know, a lot of people have forgotten about it, so it's gonna it's gonna take a little while to establish it again. I, who's forgotten about well, this? Well, let's hope nobody. Right. I mean, and, and Odd Fellows is known for the great the Right. No, we've act, we've done that here. As far as ice cream goes, we've got that locked down. Moving back into the the, the you know the, the spirits and stuff, the cocktails. It's gonna take. It's gonna be a little bit of work. Right. Um, but the profit margin should be pretty good. Um, I'm very if, excited listen, about I was that. told that the factory is going to be a little Willy Wonka. Like, uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're hiring Oompa Loompas, I'm available. <laughs> Even if it's just for a one-off show. So you gotta, or, be, you gotta come in under this little marker here. Or if I can be the, what's the name, what was the name of the German boy who fell in the Chocolate River? I just like saying German oh, I don't boy. Remember. Augustus. Augustus Gloop. <laughs> I, if you need an Augustus Gloop. How did you just do that? I, I don't know. Uh, I got Veruca uh, Salt. That's about all I got. I would love to do a, a, a Augustus and fall in the Fallen Sam Ace's Chocolate River. <laughs> I think that that would work really well. Um, but so the experience of it. So you go. You'll be able to go to the factory, get a tour, see how. Yeah, we're, we're still trying to figure out that the best way to do that because you know we work, we want to move into this very uh, sanitation forward. Like we want everything to be very uh, okay. pristine. Right. But there's got there's going to be a way to have visibility, and we just have to figure that out. And even though it's pretty much laid out. We're starting everything. We'll figure out the best way to uh, to keep that little bit of visibility. Even if, I mean, I, I think there's also something fun about visitors being decked out in footies and you know, full-on headgear and stuff. I, I, exactly I mean, I right. think I think people would kind of gravitate. I forward. think we should do. Uh, there should be some sort of theatrical element. I want to be a part of it. If so like, maybe I am. White rubber, like, white rubber boots. I don't know. Yeah, maybe like you're watching the tour, but I'm 
I'm actually like in the full like sanitation yeah. here. You don't yeah. know that I'm part of the show. Right, right, right. I fall under the chocolate it's like that, uh, Everyone's that, up against the glass. The Kendrick Hotel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, a little performance art in yeah. the last week. But I think that that's, did you, have, did you um, experience the ice cream museum? No, it was just I recently never been in LA. LA. My wife and kids were. They had one here and I missed it. Yeah. Um, and I think it wasn't as much of a museum as it really was just like. Playground. A playground and a, really a place from what I understand it just takes selfies. Yeah, it seemed very selfie centric. Uh, but that it, I guess it really worked in that regard. That like I heard the sprinkles weren't really sprinkles. They weren't. Matter of fact, I, I don't know <laughs> what they were because I didn't physically go because I didn't do something else while my kids went. And you know, yesterday, like beads or something. yeah, yesterday Embry was putting on her shoe. She's like, Dad, look, some of these fake sprinkles, sprinkles from the ice cream museum. Uh, so <laughs> That's that probably cool. why they weren't real sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, it would be a bad. Yeah. Thing. But they were doing. They had some. You know, they had someone was doing hot ice cream. What are you? Okay, let's get into this real quick. Oh, what boy, are, don't what, start on that. Oh, please. Let's first of all, hot ice cream. We worked I on that. We worked on that at WD50. We right. probably worked on hot ice cream for a year. Okay. And then we just realized it was futile. You know why? It's, it's, and everyone's come up with their own hot ice cream, and they, it is what it is. But as long as your brain doesn't perceive it as ice cream, it will never be ice cream. Right. So, like, uh, uh, ice cream, I think, needs... Cold it's it's all it's all mental. It, this is ice cream. It's cold. It, 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 hot ice cream is just not ice cream. So is that? I feel like that's a market. Like right? so, you could call it something else. Yeah, and it, it would it, work it, ex- I mean, it's, extremely it's well. Hot custard. It can be a lot of things. It's just not ice cream. Right. First of all, there's a word in ice cream that, that kind of yeah, yeah, the ice yeah, sort of yeah, uh, that kind of throws off anything that you want to make that's hot. Do you think that that's a problem with the uh, the marketing of, or at least maybe back in the day, the marketing of like really serious creative food? That like, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, why are we calling it hot ice cream? There was a lot of Trump loyal. Like, there was a lot of trying to show somebody they were, something. By the way. <laughs> a lot like, of like trying to present somebody with something and then them eating it. Like, I remember when I was with the Fat Doug, and it, something as simple as they would they put down a plate of uh, of two pet de fui. One was orange, one was red, and they said it was. Uh, uh, well, how did this work out? Damn it. I'm it oh, it's, it was beet and okay. orange. Right. It was beet and orange. So apparently, you're going to think the red one's beet and the yellow one's orange, or the orange one's orange. But it, it turns out there was yellow beets and blood orange. So like when you just went in, you just ate it, and yeah. it, was just the, it was the opposite one. You're like, wow, that's not the beet one, that's orange. And c- certain things like that. Or whether it be the you know the tea they serve that's hot on one side and cold on the other side. Right. I mean, stuff like that. Is mind just, games. Mind, mind games. games. Yeah, just a little, just something to I, kind of... You kind of see that in the, in the pastry world a lot, right? Like sometimes, you know, I'll do uh, whatever, a daytime show, a morning show or segment, and I'll, I'll say that, and I think I actually borrowed this from Heston's uh, sort of theories as well, is that like cinnamon and vanilla bean sort of give you the perception of sweetness, right? Yeah, like even, if, even if they're not sweet at there's all. There's no sugar, right? There's no yeah. sugar. You just We have all been programmed to think that cinnamon and vanilla yep, are that, sweet that, that profile leads you, leads you right into to sweet. Um, do you have you played in that world? The sort of like le- less sweet. I know that you've done a lot of work with. Yeah, I mean at Taylor, we, at Taylor, we did a lot of stuff like that. We tried to we tried to utilize the the functionality of sweeteners to give us you know amazing textures and savory applications. Um, you know whether it be squash purees and stuff. You know just trying to trying to get that like I said the functionality that, that only sugar can give you. Right. Uh, we did play around with a couple of those strange savory sweeteners that at the end of the day just kind of start to ruin things. What's your, your, your most, palate. 
just gonna say. Right. What's your most uh, the, the most popular flavor here at Oddfellows? You know, I, we, we tend to change them so much that it's kind of hard to, to narrow them down. We have certain things we don't get rid of. Do you, do you change them? Okay, so is this you as an artist? Like you just like, you're it's restless? Me as, it's me being selfish. Okay. Yeah, restless. Well, that's restless was better. I'm no. going to pick your word. No, but I, I, listen, <laughs> I think that's kind of revealing. So you, like you being just being selfish. Bored, right? Just being like, I right. want to make something new. And then not like even this week, we, we stopped making uh, an ice cream and people were up in arms about it. Even right. though, you know, they weren't here two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they're showing up and they're mad. And I don't know how mad they are here through the staff, but... Right. So is it... Is it well, yeah, what was it we stopped doing the Thai iced tea for a little while, just because we have so many other things happening. We're getting ready to move into the Asian flavors for the passport program. So right. we need some flexibility, and you pull something off, and it just so happens to be one that everybody loves all of a sudden. Do you think there's a part of your... Because this is a question I have for my, the chefs that work with me, is that when something becomes popular that it just loses its yeah. integrity oh, a little bit? Oh, yeah. Whether it be music or... <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I think music is a great example. Yeah. It's like the no, band that yeah. doesn't want oh, to play the hit song. Oh, I love this band, yep. Yeah, or, that's exactly... Well, it's, I mean, you know, we're moving into fall, and I get super excited about fall f- flavor profiles. Right. And so that's exciting to me. So the, the fact that these people want to hold on to these summer flavors just because that's what they like, what, why, why wouldn't you want to maybe embrace some of these new autumnal flavors? <laughs> like... I think it's selfish on their part. Right. So <laughs> you, you think it might be a little selfish on your part. It's selfish on the guest. <laughs> yeah. This is a problem that, that all chefs have to deal with. Does this, I say this with your business partner in earshot, is this, um, does that become like a topic? Something, like for me and my partners, it's always a topic. Why would you take something off the menu that's really popular? Um, well, know? I think we, I, listen, we have 18 flavors in the case, or 16 flavors in the case at any given time. I don't think we're really that worried about someone being that, you know, first of all, it's usually just one-offs, one or two sure. or three, so it's like, you, you, you can fight certain battles and some, you just gotta, you gotta give up. But there are, there are, are there any, uh, like, traditional, absolute traditional flavors? Well, I mean, van- vanilla, chocolate, strawberry are always available. Oh, okay. Even though they're not visible in the case, um, they're... Oh, that's an interesting thing, though. So that, Yeah, it. they don't so take up, they don't take up real estate. So, okay, so is it a request only, or are they on a physical... Uh, they're, they're written on a board, I mean, okay. it's just always, they're always there. And I think sometimes I'll see people walk in and walk out, because they look in and they don't see it. We need to probably come up with a better way to announce them. But it's just, I don't have, I got too many ideas for vanilla. No, I agree, yeah. Well, be, first of all, To be yeah. sitting at three spots. This, this all comes from my latest obsession with just, like, the business world, and, like, uh, as a chef, I think, you know, why... Why do the you know the three basic flavors? Right. I mean, they're great. I love them. And sometimes we throw them all in one, you know, Neapolitan. But I don't necessarily need each of those three holding a space in my in my cabinet when they can just be off to the side. I mean, they're all great milkshake flavors. So we kind of have a milkshake zone that's not visible. Do you have a um, sort of a uh, a format for like? Do you have X amount of flavors? Do you, are four of them like? Salty, sweet. Three of them are no, out there. Not is there so much. Sort of I mean, or it's really just what you like. Moment? Moving into the the passport program, we we send, we tend to take four slots and make that whatever continent we're celebrating. But uh, during the season, it's I mean, it's just make ice cream and get in the case. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Just how many how many uh, employees do you have now? In the kitchen, yeah, I think we're at five, four. Four for this yeah. location, yeah. and you have how many locations? Up. Well, this is the only kitchen. So, okay. Yeah. So, so it, all the production is, is right there. On a on a busy day, it's 150 gallons. Just put it in the freezer. 
Hey everyone, uh, I hope you're enjoying the pod. This has been a fun episode with uh, one of my favorite chefs. In food, the source indicates quality. We know that. It evokes craftsmanship and traditional old world values. The source reinforces the connection we have to each other and to the world. S. Pellegrino, bottled at the source in Bergamo, Italy, since 1899, is a premium mineral water that's naturally filtered by the Italian Alps. During this 30-year underground journey, minerals are absorbed as the water flows through geological formations to its source, creating a unique and refreshing taste. As chefs, we're meticulous about the ingredients we select for our menus. We insist on knowing the sources for our food and where they come from, and we support farmers and suppliers who share these values. Those we know and trust. Water is a crucial ingredient in any food and beverage experience, and it often opens and closes the meal and can leave a lasting impression. In all of my restaurants, I proudly serve S. Pellegrino, not only because of the taste and how it enhances the flavor of the food I serve, but because of the brand's relentless support of the culinary community, facilitating mentoring opportunities, and supporting the livelihood of culinary arts. S. Pellegrino is a brand I trust directly from the source. I enjoy it at my dinner table each and every night and sometimes uh, even while I'm just driving around, to be honest. This holiday season, as you gather around the table with family and friends, I encourage you to enhance your own meals by choosing San Pellegrino. To find San Pellegrino in your area and for some additional culinary inspiration, visit sanpellegrino.com. Hey guys, it's me, Corinne. I got a new podcast on Podcast One called So Random with me, Corinne. Tune in for the good, the bad, the ugly, and even embarrassing. Peen your pants convos all the way. Unfiltered, oh yeah. Download new episodes every Thursday at PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe at Apple Podcasts. This is Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Is there a retail yeah, I mean, we all, we all, we already have a lot of clients in, in certain markets and stuff, Whole Foods and whatnot. I want to just think about it and then have it show up at my door. Can we work on that? Where yeah, it's I just mean, like uh, a thought to text to order. <laughs> um, where and then maybe if you could show up just for my personal. We can just do the drones. Oh, we'll drone you ice cream. The I'm drones. working on. Yeah, we're gonna get into a little uh, game many, later on. That how I many pints? How many pints can you get in a drone? <laughs> um, it does, yeah, it depends. The, the lighter than air, you, we, you can move um, a couple pints. Yeah. Through an affordable drone. Through an affordable through drone. an affordable lighter than air drone without propeller <laughs> so that you don't have to deal with sort of any uh, legality issues or something like that. What are they, how do they move if they don't have propellers? Well, they, uh, so it's like a blimp. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so it's, um, they, they move, you know, with sort of uh, internal, I'm, st- I'm just getting into it. But someone just introduced me to like we a drone without a propeller. Yeah, I wonder if we can chill things with liquid helium. <laughs> Yes. Oh, see, so, so as like, is that a like liquid helium? Something I've been thinking about for years and years and years, but I've never I've played, never with, played it with it at all. But supposedly, it climbs walls. Like how you know if you splash nitrogen on, it'll beat up. Yeah, up but so, it just goes. It, it, it adheres slightly and rolls. Supposedly, like, at a certain way, of liquid helium. So, so you could have at the factory maybe an an ice cream climbing a wall, and your guests would have to catch it. Oh, yeah, like, lick the like, wall. You have okay. to lick the You'll wall. Lick the wall. Uh, see, look, this is, but this is the, where the ridiculous, I think, comes up. Yeah, we really made astronaut ice cream. <laughs> exactly, that's really, really astronaut. What about, are you playing with any, I mean, I know obviously you use, I see a big nitrogen tank back there. Yeah. I just did a morning show where I borrowed uh, your uh, jelly technique. Don't, did, don't, didn't you do a peanut butter? Yeah. Did you do a peanut butter and yeah, jelly? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where you put the jelly in, which is like. Shattered. 
absolute genius. It has to happen that way. That's the only way to do it. Right, because it, or else it just folds into the... Yeah, then it's just gooey and slimy. And no, I like the chunks. I like the little rubies. Where did the inspiration... So how did that flavor come about? Obviously, peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, we just wanted to make peanut butter and jelly, and at that point, we were just shattering everything, so... Right. It just made sense. So the ridiculous leads to a great idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, what yeah, else can we throw in liquid nitrogen? my life. Ridiculous leads to... But, I mean, that's, I think, where a lot of good stuff comes Bro, from. Yeah, a lot yeah. of genius comes from ridiculousness. Or, or at least just spontaneity. Something that... I, there's, there's always this, you know, the, the concept of no bad ideas. So people can say the most outlandish thing ever. And you want them to say that because, theoretically, that could... It might not mean what they said. It might, but it could spark a conversation that leads to something. So exactly. So we we tend to talk about dumb things all the time. Now is that um? So you're sort of the way that you guys collaborate on. Is it a collaboration here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know the, my staff, some are some are newer than others, and they're starting to uh, maybe get a little confidence. Right. How do how do you how do you um, tell the employee that doesn't have a good idea? This is me actually using you as a mentor for me right now. Like when when an employee does come up to you, it's like, oh, Jeff, I got this great idea, oh, I get and you're old. like, oh, it's it's a horrible idea, or someone else. Well, did I, it, I or think the, my my way around that would be to. It can get a little exhausting because they, they tend to happen a lot. Um, tell you know, leading that person, taking that idea as as silly as it might be, and showing them how it would make sense, even if it still doesn't come to fruition, just kind of. So, every time, every time, just showing so it. So I like that it, part of it, maybe if this went with that. Yeah, yeah. What about this? Because, and that's why I say it can get exhausting because you tend to be talking a lot. Uh, but yeah, just being like, I, I, I don't like that because of this reason. But what about if this, which is still your idea, even though it might not be. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, how did that work? Tweaking at w- their ideas. At WD50, was that, did it just all happen on the fly? Or there's, you don't have a lot of time when you're in an operating restaurant, but were there... Like, hey, all hands staff meetings where we're going to collaborate on ideas. Or? Yeah, I mean, back then we were all so young and excited. We would, we would, close, we would wrap up cleaning the restaurant. We would just sit around for two hours. Wow. You know, nurse one beer and talk about food. And ah, that, the good old was, days. And the good old days. So, I mean, I did read where you're like, do you miss it? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, we all miss it. I mean, we still, we would, you know, even if we didn't stay at the restaurant, no matter where we found a certain group of us, we'd still be talking about menu items. Right. It would still be, what about this, what about that? And we all had our dumb little pads of paper. So here's one of the things about WD-50 was that it's, it was such an iconic place that you know it's not, it's one of those things like, it's only gone physically. Like it's not. Oh, I see it. I see it. I, I, I follow certain Instagram, you know, uh, feeds that are you know, plating centric, and I just, the techniques are just, they're still just everywhere. Well, that's kind of dangerous. I feel like that's dangerous now because um, you can take a rest, like now that it's not operating at the, at the moment, right? That it's easier for someone to borrow an idea right. and feel like, oh, I can get away with this, or I don't have to. At some, time, at some point, at some point, I think you contribute the ideas to the world, though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. well, I think you, right. So, I mean, I mean there's certain things that they're just gone. Right. And they're, for, they're out there, they're for everybody. So when you see that and you're like, oh, that's a technique that we came up with. So then are you you're happy that you've gifted that to the world yeah. or is there a part yeah. of it? I mean, it was, gonna ha- it was gonna be, someone was gonna figure it out. Right. We just were the first uh, on some things. Some things, you know, some things inspired us, obviously, and that's, that's just how, how the way it all worked. 
So when why there, there are certain deliberate ways of, of of stealing things that are a little more obnoxious. Right. Well, the first is just like yeah, if you, if you do borrow a technique, then just, yeah, just say hey, yeah. I, I learned this technique here, and we did it this way. Right. I think we're all everyone's fine with that. And so, a lot of times it's so obvious that people are just going to know, and they're going to be like, oh, that's cool. And then that's the where you just get yeah. shame. Yeah. Um, we were talking to Wiley about this, and I, you, you might know, you know, certainly more than I do, but is there going to be a tour? Like, that's what it's like. It's like a band. Like, WD Foods is a band. Right. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, even though maybe there's not the physical space, you know, the idea of it, like, when the book comes out, yeah, the book is tour, gorgeous, by the way. The book is great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 the Seaport thing is going to be amazing. That's right. Right. So, so, gonna, so will that be the first... Perhaps the first iteration I mean, of, I'm of the world to, tour. I'm looking forward to eating some fried mayonnaise. Like I'm, I've been wanting I'm, to I'm see this stuff for a How long time. How did you do the fried mayonnaise, by the way? Wiley made a, Wiley made a homemade mayonnaise, and it was essentially a Joanne, a Joanne gum, right, Joanne okay. mayonnaise that uh, was breaded lots of times in, in, in brioche, and uh, yeah, it's, oh man, I ate so many disgusting cubes of mayonnaise. Okay. I so, my my diet. I don't know how I look like this. My diet at WD-50 in any given day was uh, all the scraps off the foie gras, which was a lot, which was probably <laughs> two ends every 25 minutes. And every, you know, you had to, you had to fry at least like five more mayonnaise cubes than, than you needed because some burst. Yeah. And the, <laughs> those were mine too. Yeah, this is super inside oh, baseball, by the way. Man. Bursting mayonnaise cubes. Oh, so making good. extra so that you have a That's so brain. good. I, I um, on My Top Chef, I did a version of that, um, but I like a hack version of it where I just froze the nitrogen, froze the mayonnaise and nitro, bread and fried it. Oh, that uh, was really liquid. Yeah, Oof. I mean, you know, depending on the store bought mayonnaise, nice and thick. Actually, that probably had all the gum in uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had, had all of it in it anyway. Um, but that was one of the most delicious. So, but, so you think that, I think this should be a tour coming. Yeah. I'm going to be the first one to like get that out in the world. Yeah, I, I, I'm just excited to see. That food. Like even it's like when I do these, I do certain little pop-ups uh, or like appearances at different. I'm doing a one in Nantucket coming up. I did, uh, you know, we did a, a Portland food and wine or a feast. Oh, you just got back. Then. Yeah, and so we, you know, I, I use any excuse I can to get into a kitchen and, and cook some one of the dishes off the tailor menu. Exactly. <laughs> Whether it be the pork belly oh. or, or the foie gras, like skate free. Oh man, I'm skate with free. That was one of the, my favorite dishes with of the all time. With a purple potato, with a purple tater tot. Tots with the tots. Yeah, yeah, purple tots. Those were a pain in the butt. Um, Everything we did there was a pain in the butt. When but you were fun. just, were you just in Portland? Were you like uh, Portland and Brooklyn to me are are obviously sort of like Pretty sister damn, brothers. You no, know, Portland reminds me of reminds me of uh, of uh, Melbourne. Oh, okay. I've yeah. never been. Oh, it's a really, it's a Melbourne vibe. I don't know. Maybe it's the streetcars and like the the way the streets are put together, but it is very Brooklyn as well. But to me. But Melbourne and Brooklyn are the same. So. What do you, so what? That's the question. What came first? Uh, as a Brooklynite, you have to say um, Brooklyn, probably. Yeah, I think. So. But I always felt like Brooklyn is a little bit of San Francisco as well. Like there's a little I can bit. Do that. I, you know, I haven't been to San Francisco in a long time, but I think you're probably right. Um, back to WD. So WD50 was a band. Yeah. You were the roadie. Bass player. <laughs> I think you're the bass player. So, like, if I'm if WD fits his band, you know, I, I, I give Wiley the vocal. He's got to do some vocals. He's playing. Oh some yeah, yeah, yeah. guitar vocals, but you are. I mean, you're the bass player with Mystique, right? <laughs> the good-looking guy in hey, tight who's jeans. Who's playing. the drummer, though? Oh, you want to be the drummer? I can see you as I, the drummer I kinda too. I kind of like. I kind of lean towards the drummer. 
Because you can't do anything without it. Yeah, just keeping the beat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say the same, perhaps. Oh, yeah, with the bass. bass yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you've, done a bunch of, like, <laughs> you've done a bunch of. Uh, I mean, you're a music guy, like yeah. full blast. I like. You've done a bunch so. of television shows focused around music. Yep. What's the comp? What's the common? Are you a musician yourself? No, no. I, I own. I buy instruments all the time because I have a desire to learn how to play them, but I never pick them oh, up. Oh, what's up? We've done this on the podcast. What what instrument, if you had the time, what's the one instrument that you would like really want to learn and master? Uh, the pedal steel. Whoa, I don't even know what that <laughs> is. You're going to have to look up, look up pedal steel. What is the pedal steel? It's a, it's a steel guitar, but it's, a, it's on a platform, and you, you kind of play it like this, and you slide. It's a really twangy, slidey. Whoa. But you actually also control uh, with pedals and knee toward like uh, I don't know tension it's oh insane and, and only only old men are really good at it because it just takes forever to figure this out that's not true there are some young cats but the pedal steel the pedal it steel. also might now be the name of this podcast episode <laughs> we might have to mine would be like I, and I thought I was going to have like an upscale mine would be like, Here's the, double, the double key tar <laughs> yeah, did you do or like banjo I have like a banjo and I can't seem to make it make any sounds yeah, it's I make, it makes it's, sounds. It makes noise. From what I understand, it's not the easiest stringed instrument no, to start. No, with. we can't all be Steve Martin, but okay, no, day. you know that's true. One of my also uh, you're a Steve Martin fan, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's one of my favorite books of all time. I'm going to do like a blog post soon about I don't know the uh, book. Standing up. I think it's just called um, Born Standing Up. Oh. Steve Martin's life story. Oh, I have to read this. You got to read it. I just did it on the, uh, you know, on the audio, like on a couple long runs. Oh, I just listened awesome. to the whole thing in like, uh, you know, a day, basically. But that's what I should do. I don't read. You should. So yeah, do it. It's really great. And uh, you know what's great? Great because I think it's, you know, his is obviously about being a comedian and a performer. But I think there's a lot of application for anyone who, who like has to do something for a crowd. Right. right? right so right. Like, if you're a chef, yeah, to please people. Uh, to yeah. Please people, and the same thing, like you know, is the. Is the you said selfish earlier? Like, is the humor for you? Is it for the audience? What's right. that relationship? You should check out that book. Yeah, that's really great. I'm, not, I'm excited about the idea of an audiobook. I walk to work almost every day, and uh, I just talk to myself. So this way, I can listen, <laughs> listen to something. Yeah, well, that, that's what I, I, I'd recommend that one for sure. Uh, what's the other one I've been into? It's totally unrelated, but it's uh, Bill Walsh, who was a football coach of the 49ers. Oh no, I don't. Who's got a management book? My publicist is looking at our publicist. Our publicist, yeah, which not to listen, I, I didn't really want to bring this up, but she's got a list of people that she represents in her office, and Blaze is a, a click or two above Oddfellows. So oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's, it's in any in sort order of order. Of <laughs> it's not in order of importance, it's but I, I don't. I'm not trying to Maybe call her out. It. Uh, and I did. I, and, and in all fairness, I did make her change it. I was like, top? why am I like seventh on the list? And like, but good, but Ludo is below vocals. Oh, just nice. To be clear. Nice. Uh, meatball shop is still holding pretty high. Yeah. On the list, yeah. But you know, we, we can dream. That's okay. That's okay. We can dream. So, what's the uh, global expansion plan here for Oddfellows? The factory's coming. You have a couple of locations already. Are you doing anything? You just did a pop up in LA. Yeah. Are we? Are you heading out of state soon? Well, we did a pop up in, uh, in in Melbourne last year. It's been two years. Jeez, I don't know. We would love. There's places that we would love to go. That being one of them. Uh, I would love to go to Asia just to have to have a home base in Asia. Right. Where Where would you go in Asia? Uh, anywhere that got me near Thailand would be fine. Okay. And I, from what I understand, I was talking to. Uh, seems like everybody has some sort of uh, entity in Bangkok just because it's so cheap. Right. Um, so that seems like a good place to. It was set amazing. Up, set up camp. Last year, uh, through the State Department, 
sadly this won't be happening in our current sort of world. No, probably won't. But through the State Department, pre-election, obviously, I went to uh, Thailand and got to cook for the Princess of Thailand. Did you really? I met her once, the big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's her a highness. big uh, <laughs> And it was, you know, like the protocol. You met her, so like, you know, like the, pro- <laughs> the protocol for that is insane. Right? Oh, walking in like, back, or walking in with, or walking out facing her and right and they're like you know knees. i was gifting her one of my cookbooks i'm sure she's using it but and it's like i'm presenting this on behalf Both of hands. And, and you know really like secret service is like don't make any moves towards her she has to make you know she yeah. has to make eye contact don't you have to, draw, don't you have to walk to her on, on your knees I, I didn't have to do that but i just was kind of standing while she, we took some pictures together and then you had to walk back on my knees stand up and walk out Still facing her until I got totally oh, wow. out of her eyesight. Oh, so you did? Oh. So you did it? You, you've done? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I was kind of blown. I didn't. Away I didn't it. give her anything. Right. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I didn't don't cook, know why. I didn't I did, cook any food. We, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was it was kind of an unreal. I realized that basically the protocol for like the princess of Thailand was exactly how you treat Patna Lakshmi on top of that. Like the same thing. Like, don't look same in the eyes. You have a gift for her. She has to receive it. Both hands. Um, so you would go to Bangkok, which I, I one of my it. favorite places as well. I, I mean, the islands are. Right, well, yeah, of course. But, like you would, but for is, business Koh Samui is somewhere. I, that's probably where I'll try to retire. Um, I, the only thing that really like, I struggled with in Bangkok was like I almost got killed by 19 scooters. I almost got killed by 19 clams. Uh, clams. Oh man, I, we, got, we had a bad run in with some seafood. But that being said, uh, Sam Mason, tell me about this bad run in with, with seafood. Uh, so you. Hey, okay, the, the, I just I, I kind of lied to you. My fiance had the run in. So we, we we arrived into Bangkok some ungodly hour. Like I'd say we got to the hotel at 1 a.m. and it's Bangkok. Like it's just it's it looks like Blade Runner down there. Like, there's things happening. <laughs> So we walked, so we were like, let's put the bags in the hotel, let's go get something to eat. And we found a really quaint alleyway, garbage cans and tables to have our first meal in Bangkok. And, uh, you know, it was fun watching the rats scurry around, having fun. And we had, we had, listen, it was one of the most delicious meals I'd had in a long time. It was great, like bar none. It was fantastic. You, you were, you know, the tuk-tuks were flying by, there's cars almost hitting the knee, coming down the alleyway. But it, either way, it was it was great. It was Bangkok. You felt like you were in the zone. Well, the next morning, Tara was not feeling too well, Ooh. and we happened to be leaving for 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 Koh Samui, and we had the, we had got this beautiful. We had we reserved eight hundred dollars a night for a room is a lot in sure, Thailand. Yeah. Like it's a yearly salary. So we had a room for two nights on the water with a private pool and outside tub and everything, just all private. You didn't have to leave this thing. And the poor girl was as sick as a dog for those two nights. Yeah, that's not uh, a. Good I was tracking. I I took like thirty minute walks before I learned how to, you know, find a, a, a moped or a scooter to get charcoal pellets and stuff just to help this girl out. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, she was talking to herself. She was watching Gone with the Wind. And you identified this coming from the clams. This was yeah. This I, was I remember. Only- I remember thinking ah, that one was a little weird, but my body just doesn't care. Yeah. Doesn't defend me at all. It's just like yeah, whatever. So you, know, you, so you I was she fine. was the only one with party yeah. that I got. Okay. I, that happened to me in Spain once with like barnacles. I feel like it is always sort of just like trying to get <laughs> some shelled creature yeah, you know. in an alleyway. I think you have a couple of those things. They're all water out. filters of some sort. You don't know where the water is. This is true. This is true. Uh, Sam Mason, listen, uh, we like to play a game near the end of the podcast. 
Are uh, you down? Yeah. Okay, so this game is where, this one is called Wheel or Not. So these are sort of uh, upstart um, food businesses. That, that are either real or not. That are either real or not. Um, and, and obviously you're going to tell me what, where, if they're real or not, and you get a point. And usually if you get like half of them right, you're pretty good. You're <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get, you, you might get them all. Oh well, so you're, so you're, you're a publicist. I have faith. Thinks you're gonna get them all. I'm right. still gonna blow this now. A lot of people have, have really screwed this up. Okay, um, here's the first one. I have the pressure. This <laughs> this is a company. It's called Eat With. Eat With. It's basically it's like the Airbnb for chefs. A chef throws out their uh, information online. It's like, come get a romantic Italian dinner with Gloria. It's 35 bucks per person. It's bruschetta and linguine with clams. Uh, is this a real thing or not? Eat Wait, this, where, where does this happen at? At their house? This happens at the person's house or the chef who's doing it like uh, would, would would do this. This does this. Like this Eric Repair would just be like, eat with me if Eric for Repair was with this company Eat With, he'd be like, you can come to my house and <laughs> make the tuna de soise with the fake olive. Uh, I think this is real. Like I, think this is, I think this is real. Sam Mason is starting off one for one. It is a real thing. Uh, it's the whole the whole shared anybody economy in my thing. house. The shared economy thing is really fascinating to me because, like, if you can Airbnb or, or Uber, using those two as examples, you know, why can't you do it yeah. for a chef? The thing is, Sam Mason would be really expensive. Super no, I don't know. Expensive. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I'd pay. I just bought. We have a dining room table now at the house, so this might be fun. Yeah, so you might. Okay, so we might see you on the <laughs> with. Okay, here we go. Next one. This is a company. Uh, it is kind of works out for what you're doing, and even uh, uh, our friend Wiley. Um, it is a drone delivery service that delivers donuts. It's called Dronuts. Dronuts. It delivers donuts from. Multiple locations, so that you can get one of Wiley's Yuzu and peanut butter donuts and I could, whatever. I could see the concept, but I don't think this could be a real. Thing. It is not a real thing. <laughs> Sam Mason is two for two. It is a Richard Blaze idea. <laughs> it yes, it is. Uh, we're working on some. That's where I know so much about lighter than air uh, drones. Uh, okay, here we go. This next one is a software. It's it's called Feedback. This is called Feedback. It's an app where you can deliver a message to participating restaurants that use it in real time. So you can be a guest in a restaurant, send a message to you're, the kitchen. You're, you're in the dining room. You're in the dining room, and you send back to Sam Mason. You say, you know what? Miso cherry ice cream, it's a little too salty for me. And at the same time, the restaurant can respond in real time. No, so the chef can fine. actually run out with a chef's knife. <laughs> right. The chef can just be like, uh, that I tasted it. That wouldn't have went over too well with John Lee. Unless it was all, if it was all compliments, that would have been fine. <laughs> Which is, man, we got, I think we have to take a quick little sidebar. One, do you think feedback is a real thing? Okay, he's a competitive guy. I want it. Uh, this, what I really love about these games is you really see like, how competitive people are. Because it, there's no real prize at all. I want it to be. I want it, yes, I want it to be. It is not a real Damn thing. It. It a it fake app developed by my wife. Um, I it to be. Or did I develop? I don't know who came up with it. But real quick, you just mentioned Paladin. Yeah. And I feel like uh, the generation that's up and coming, they are, they don't even know, like, some, like, you know, I have chefs who, if I said even, you know, Marco Pierre, they have no idea. Yeah, it's that's like, a shame. Totally Paladin. You worked for him. Yeah, I was here four years ago. I was reading a story where you would, you, know, you worked in Napa, Napa as well, right? Yeah. And you guys would just jump in a car and drive down to L.A.? Yeah, I, I, so I, he took me under his wing, strangely, because uh, 
when I met him, I was young. I, I'd just gotten out of culinary school. And, you know, I showed up, I showed up with my renderings of all these architecturally not sound desserts that were probably, because I'd come from the Richard Leach kind of Oriole. I worked at Oriole and then Park Avenue Cafe. So I had just this notion of what a, a dessert was. Tall. Tall. Chocolatey. Yeah. Spun sugar. It's sugar sticks <laughs> going out. Like, oh, if they could get up and dance on the plate and sit back down, I'd be like, that's what yes. I want to do. Yeah, he wasn't into it. But he saw something, thankfully. And uh, I remember he was sitting there with his Valentino slippers off and just in his socks. And uh, he had all of his papers laid out on the floor. He, he used to sit on the, on the floor in the, on the carpet in the dining room and just spread out all of his yellow notepad papers of, menu, of what the menu was going to be that night. <clears throat> it wasn't fun for the kitchen when he came in a little late. Right, <laughs> this is what like, the menu was tonight. You got three hours. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but my, my girlfriend and his girlfriend were best friends. Um, so it just we, the four of us, at any given point, middle of service, it didn't matter. Some of them, they must have, some people must have just not loved me so much for these reasons. But he'd be like, "Let's go. We're gonna we're going to L.A." And we'd just hop in the car and drive for three hours, and maybe doing a we'd stay at the the, it, it, the nicest hotels, Lamont. It didn't matter. And we would do like a dinner in the back lot of you know one of the movie studios. Right. But it, the work was so nothing. It was just us drinking grappa and jacuzzis. And That's <laughs> right. I mean, he you know I. And again, a lot of people don't know this, but I mean, that's like one of the first rock stars. You know, when, oh, they, when people started tossing around the term rock star, he was shot. the biggest badass. And you're like, oh, you don't know why he took to you. Well, he took to you because you're, because you're. We had a lot. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. You're, you're a cool guy. You're, you're, you're a cool AF, as uh, the kids <laughs> would say nowadays. So I'm pretty sure, besides your talent, that's probably why well, you I'll wanted be, to hang out. With you. It was, I think it's it the best thing that ever happened to me. What was uh, like? If there's one or two things that you take from Paladin, what are like in, in your world now what are, what are they? I mean I still I still to this day if I'm doing if I'm preparing anything with whether it be savory or sweet and I some for some reason want to kind of cut a corner I just he's yelling at me right in the back wow. of my head I, so he's got this sort of Ben Kenobi thing. yeah I just hear I'm like oh well nope I'm not doing that Jean-Louis Paladin. If you don't know who he is you need to look him up yeah I remember I just had the, you know so I had no personal experience with him but I had like the cook, the black cookbook. Oh yeah, cookbook. Where like everything was geometrical, yeah. and it was just like old, cool. I was with just in Portland with Chris Constantino, and he found four of those books wow. across the street at a bookstore, and he bought all four of them. Good call. Yeah, yeah they're there. I mean, I that, of, I think I actually moved and sold mine. Which wow. I was so embarrassed that yeah, I haven't even been yeah, uh, you've gotta, you got to find was, that again. i got to find Cook it. Again. It was like season. glass plates. And like, is that an ashtray? Or it was all shot on 35mm film. Wow. Uh, yeah, Fred Maroon. i got to find that. Fred Maroon shot the whole book. It was great. All right, back to our game. Yes. Uh, oh, a little sidebar, a little so sidebar there. Um, okay, here we go. Next one. This is a company called Dutch. This is a company called Dutch. Let's see where we're going. It's where single people, or I guess you don't have to be single, but you have to be by yourself, can link up. Uh, using the interwebs to find someone they want to split lunch with. Basically, it's Tinder for French fries, basically, uh, or frugal people. So you don't want to. I see this. This to me makes sense because Meredith's walking down the street. Leah's coming down. Oh, are they find each other? With us? Yeah. Well, think about them. this. When or I can I split it with somebody who's eating over there? I guess you can split and bounce, but that's up to you at that moment. You have to get together to split the bill. See, I think the key to this is to, and tell me if this is part of it. If you know, 
But there's certain restaurants, there's certain restaurants where if you go as a single person or even as a couple, you don't experience as much as you want. Ooh. Where if you had four more bodies at the table, you can sure. order more and see sure. more. Sure. So that's why I think this would be a great thing. Like nice. I want to go to a restaurant, I want to get a six top, I want to see all the plates. I know I'm not going to eat it all, right. but I, I know So you're that's linking up with other groups. Yeah, you're, you're taking you're, Dutch to the next, next level. Yeah. That might be the 2.0 version, but you said I want it to be real. You don't. I'm assuming then you don't think that this is real. Oh, man, damn it! Look, he's so competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's real. I think it's real. It is not real. Damn it. <laughs> Can we do this? Can we do this? What would this be called? We, we should do this. this it would be okay. It would be called. This one I do know. This is my wife's idea. This is something that like woke up one morning, sort of like we were talking about journals, and she's like, "Let's do this." But we should do this. We should. Yeah, I'm trying. Should. But it would. Yeah, I like it. I There's like the idea there. of... And I didn't, was never even thinking about the group aspect of it. I like the idea of being able to... Maybe it's all maybe it's all associated with a Venmo situation, so the payment just happens that way. Yeah, oh no, it happens, yeah. I think and, it's got to happen. But then you get, to, you, get to, you get to experience more of the... Or the menu. I'm more impressed that you're just that you like. Menu, this we'll idea. call it menu or Like I feel like I've reached a certain level now that my team has an idea that Sam Mason actually likes. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I, I will say now that you're back even. You're, back you're, even. Which is like, I'm, I'm fine right? with that as long as that's where the uh, the losing stuff. Okay. Here we go. Next one. This one is called Solo Cup. Solo Cup. Uh, it's a company in Brooklyn, and it's something that's basically like a beer koozie slash holder for your coffee, but specifically. For unicycles. For unicycles. I know you see this is the way you try to trick me. <laughs> he's he's looking at my cadence. This is I am I am guilty of sometimes changing my cadence uh, to make something seem either less or more believable. Uh, solo cup. I don't know if it was a cadence as much as a unicycle. I've seen unicycles in Brooklyn. I've seen people No, this isn't a thing. This is not a thing. Yeah, good good instinct. It is not a thing. Leah came up with it on the way over here. She <laughs> and she was part of it. She was part of it. The name, the name. Uh, she helped with it. Okay, here's Solo the next one. Cup. Uh, we didn't get into it, but you're uh, you're, the, you're you're a big dog guy, right? Yeah. Well, no, I'm a little dog guy. But oh, so you have like a little dog? I've got two 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 wiener dogs. Oh, I had yeah. one of those. Yeah. They're amazing. I don't you like the be word hat. When you, uh, well, no, I mean as a kid. Oh. Like, yeah, they're it's not like I just got rid of them. Yeah, no, I have a seven-year-old and a one-year-old, or I guess he's almost two now. And oh, they're amazing. Do they have, um, are they named after their body shape at all? Is it like Frankfurt? No, I did like or? the idea of, <laughs> no, one's Benjamin and one's Banjo. Oh, Benjamin and Banjo are good names. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Nice. Banjo okay. is the athletic one, and Ben is the one who can't get up. So, the yeah. opposite. Of yeah. <laughs> so this happens, uh, so listen, so you're a dog guy, so you, you might know this one. So this is a company called Farmer's Dog. It's where basically you can get a meal delivery to you that's specifically curated for your breed of dog. So the Dotsons, right, is what you have? Yeah, like, yeah. Would get a specific diet for Benjamin and Banjo developed just for them. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, this is real. He's, he's got good first instinct. Yeah, he is, is right. Farmer's dog is a real thing. Uh, and then uh, this, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll end with this last one. Might be the toughest one. This is called Bag of Dicks. <laughs> This company yeah, is called Bagadix. You can get a, I'm going to say it one more time because <laughs> it's fun to say. You get a bag of gummy dicks, basically. Not gummy bears, but gummy dicks. Uh, you can even pay extra to get confetti in the package so that you don't know that you're rummaging through a bag oh, that eventually is a bunch of dicks. I mean, I made gummy dicks for a party once. <laughs> no, I made them, they were whiskey dicks, so they were, they were whiskey gummy bears, but they were oh. shaped like dicks. Yeah, they were nice. whiskey dicks. Um, so I know this is, could be a thing. 
So when you're making a whiskey, I did this for a. a well, uh, well, hold on one second. <laughs> when you're making a, a, a whiskey gummy dick, so then it is more like a gummy worm. No, they were starch molded. <laughs> they were starch molded. Okay. I actually just broke one of the tops so, off the, the, the dicksters. So the whiskey that. just refers to flavor or the, the fact? Flavor. Okay, not the actual dick. No. It's not no, a whiskey dick. Wasn't it aesthetic? It's a whiskey flavor. Okay, got it. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Uh, so what do you think? Sam Mason finishing it off? Yeah, these are real. This is a real company. Yeah. These things are good. He got like 75%. You'd yeah. be in the Hall of Fame if that was a baseball average. <laughs> Uh, dude, you're amazing. You're one of my absolute heroes. Oh, uh, man, I don't think um, so. Would you do it again? Maybe we'll get you and Watt. Maybe yeah, we'll do like yeah. a WD reunion. Yeah, I mean, I might start the, the, the diary. Yeah, I think you should do it. And then, oh, we come back and read an entry. Yeah, but what are they called? They called it diaries? Journal? Journal. 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 Yeah, I journal. like that better. Journal. We'll <laughs> stick with journal. Um, all right, but last thing we do is we ask our guests at the end to 86 something. It's 86. So there could be something in the food world, personal life. The world in general, but just something that you're over, you're done with, you don't want to see any more of it. What would the Sam Mason want at 86? Uh, you know, I, I'm really not a fan of tweezers. I've oh, kind of lost, like lost my love with the, the concept of delicate food. I like this though. So, like, you would think of Sam Mason as being a tweezer chef. You know, I've never, never, I've never really been the tweezer chef. I think, yeah, I think, I think we kind of always. I think they were around and available, but I don't think we ever put anything on a plate that was quite that. I love that. Um, I agree with you. Like, what's wrong with a spoon every once in a while? Spoon, yeah. Your hand even, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I do say that. These are tweezers. I, I, that's true. <laughs> but mine are a little chubby. <laughs> I do also say that as a chef who every once in a while rolls around with tweezers in his pocket. But that's a really You know what good, your tweezers are good about? Removing things more than, play, you're, than you're placing right. things. You're Sometimes right. the tweezers are great for, whoa, that's for not going to be there. Editing Tweezers editing only tweezers. for editing. You heard it here from Sam Mason. Uh, this was an amazing podcast. We're here at Odd Fellows uh, in Williamsburg, which gives us automatic street cred. Uh, there's a factory coming. Uh, WD50 books coming out. Sam Mason's all over the country. You got to find him on uh, his social handles. Uh, I'm Richard Blaze. Uh, Leah Meredith, we're here. Also, uh, thanks for listening. Prodding. Well for attention. Prodding yes. and poking. Yeah. They, and, and Meredith even now talks on the podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, we could all uh, use and appreciate your support so go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe write a review it's free uh, if you don't have an Apple phone you can find it uh, find us on podcast one app uh, leave a comment say something nice and uh, until next time see you soon Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com All right, everyone, uh, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chain to increase its range. Weird? Right. Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With the certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid. So they know if they're getting a good deal before even buying. They'll also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. I hope they're available in our state.